0: Welcome everybody to the flow show podcast here on a busy busy friday in the world of baseball we just had the united states knock off team israel in the olympics earlier this morning at least on the east coast and then we also have the trade deadline here at 4 p.m eastern time and we are joined today though with a very special guest former major league or current major leaguer who has played with the miami marlins he's played with the minnesota twins he's played with the Pittsburgh Pirates as well. He is currently with the St. Paul Saints. He has played a few games this year with the Minnesota Twins organization. We are joined today with JT Riddle. JT, how are you doing today, man?
1: Doing good. Uh, Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, you're welcome, man. Great to have you on today. And actually, I'll kind of ask you here a quick question. I didn't even write this down on my uh, questions I have for you today. But, you know, obviously, this is a trade deadline today, a very busy day at all for you as like a player. Do you ever like look at keep watching stuff today? Because obviously. You know, baseball's business, and you just never know when you'll get traded. Do you ever look at stuff like that at all, as a player? You know, throughout this day because of how hectic it can be.
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, you're always kind of watching and and seeing what teams need, uh, what teams are selling, what teams are buying, and just kind of paying attention. Um, you know, no matter what level you know you're at, uh, whether you know you're a kind of an older guy with some time in A or you know you're a you're a guy getting paid, you know, millions of dollars on a on a team or you're you're even a you know a prospect and in the lower levels, you're always kind of watching and, and seeing what's kinda of gonna gonna play out. And there's always a, a possibility of being thrown into a deal if a team team needs you.
0: Yeah, it's definitely going to be a very interesting day. We've already had a lot of big trades happen with Anthony Rizzo going to the Yankees, Joey Gallo going to the Yankees. We might get Max Scherzer and Trey Turner going to the Dodgers. So it's going to be a very busy day in the world of baseball this afternoon. So I'm going to kind of kick things off by talking. We'll kind of ask some questions about your college career early on and stuff with the Marlins. And we'll kind of get towards now with you with the Twins. So I'll begin things off with talking about Kentucky. So you would spend your college career years with Kentucky with the Wildcats in the SEC conference, which is obviously a very competitive conference. Very good teams have played in that conference with teams like Vanderbilt and such. Um, and you even got an opportunity to play in the NCAA tournament while you're with the Kentucky Wildcats. Do you think that playing at Kentucky in your college career, gave you an advantage over the players that were in your draft class due to the level of competition in the conference.
1: Uh, I 100 percent think so. Um, you know, like I got drafted out of high school, and you know, to this day, I think think back to that. You know, if I would have, you know, signed with the Red Sox out of high school, I probably never would have, you know, would have developed into the player that I I became. Um, I think college helped me a lot, um, and definitely playing the SEC playing against the competition you know Friday night you're facing pretty much a big league arm Mm -hmm. Um, and you know on Friday nights a lot of those guys develop to be you know big league players whether they spent you know 10 years in the big leagues or whether they you know got their cup of coffee they're still a big league arm and um, I think that definitely helped me develop as a player um, being able to face that competition you know on on an every kind of weekend basis for three years and Um, It it definitely helped me, you know, develop and be able to kind of become the player, you know, I I became as opposed to being a high school kid going straight into into pro ball. I I, I don't know if I would have lasted very long.
0: Yeah. And, and kind of, I know you have obviously been in the league for a few years now. You've obviously played in the majors as well, so this may not pertain more to you, but, you know, obviously with the way the new format is with the minor leagues and now, you know, things are more, there's less teams you can really get to join on because of the kind of reduction of minor league teams and the reduction of the amount of players teams are going to have on the raw, on their inner organization. Would you say that the way the minor leagues are shaped right now, does it fit more now? Like, does it help now that you go to college and then you get drafted or does it really still matter? Do you think that it would, it, even if you're in go to high school, it doesn't really matter. You'll still get drafted wherever you're at.
1: Uh, I think it changes a little bit. It takes away some of those lower level, you know, spots, uh, but you know, I think it, you know, it takes away too from kids, you know, being drafted late rounds and, and go and say, you know, senior signs and stuff like that that say that, you know, might get an opportunity because, you know, there's a short season team, uh, you know, available or, you know, now that there's limited teams, it takes away that, that those opportunities as well. Um, you know, they're always going to send the kids to rookie ball you know, whether it's in Florida or Arizona, that's where they're going to send their high school kids. Uh, That's just, you know, it's, that's where they send them for the most part. Uh, You know, those, those senior signs that were getting drafted in the 45th round, those were the guys going to short season, a ball that get an opportunity and sometimes pan out. And I think those are the guys that are kind of going to lose some of the opportunities, but um, you know, I, I think it's good for, you know, the sport because it it is a grind in, in the minor leagues and, you know, and it, it, some of those teams you, you go and you're playing in some places in short season, a ball. And it's like, man, is this really <laughs> cut out for me? Is this what I want to do? You know, when I'm 22, 23 years old. So, um, it's, it's definitely a grind, but it, it takes away, you know, kind of a little bit of the grind, you know, you either go to rookie ball or you go, you know, you're going to low a, uh, full season. So, um, you kind of, you kind of get to skip a couple levels there, but, uh, but, you know, it's it, it's definitely going to change, you know, the way the draft is and the way, you know, the development process is a little bit.
0: Yeah, definitely for sure. And also mentioning on the grind, I, I yeah, I understand where you're coming from on that, especially too with some of these ballparks. You'll see some of them as like, uh, I wasn't expecting this when I was, you know, get, you would expect like crazy facilities, but hey, not all minor league ballparks are like that. But um, anyways, we'll kind of get into my next question. You obviously, as you mentioned, you were drafted by the Red Sox, ended up not signing in the 35th round of that year's draft. But then you would end up joining the Marlins out of Kentucky. You get drafted in the 13th round and you would sign with the team. Uh, just kind of generalize here, how were your seasons, you know, with the Marlins and getting the play in the state of Florida, both in the minor league level in Jupiter with the Hammerheads and then in the major league club with the actual Marlins?
1: Yeah, it was good. Um, you know, I was there for you know, a lot of years. I mean, you think about from when I got drafted in 13 all the way through uh, the end of 19, um, the whole, you know, my whole career with the organization. Um, all around was you know it was pretty good uh coming up through the system um kind of being a you know a 13th round pick not really a top prospect at first um being able to kind of play and prove that you know i was a guy that you know could could be a, a big league guy and um, you know and i think back to uh, my low a season in 2014 in greensboro um, you know, I had a manager that, that really liked me and, you know, basically said, I'm going to play this kid at shortstop. And and he did. And, you know, it kind of went from there. Uh, started playing shortstop every day, the second half of the season there, uh, you know, shortstop and high double-A um, and, and up through the system and, you know, ended up kind of breaking into being a top prospect and going to the fall league and just kind of making my way up the ladder. Um, and, It was, I think that 2014 kind of halfway through the season, you know, that manager trusting me to, to be the short, you know, be a shortstop. And I I think that really excelled my career um, a lot and being able to get the opportunity.
0: Yeah, and you know, speaking of opportunity, obviously you would get the opportunity in 2017 with the Marlins. You would make your major league debut in Miami on on April 11th, and then even in that season, you would hit your first walk-off home run. You know, when you first got brought up as a hitter, was there any adjustments you had to make that differed from your time in the minors? And then how did you also find out about getting that call-up to the big leagues? I imagine that must have been a really exciting moment for you as a player, you know, getting that call up that you, I imagine for you, you probably have wanted since you were a kid.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was, you know, getting the call, you know, in 2017 was, I mean, it was un- unbelievable. And, you know, I got the call from the AAA manager, you know, saying you're going to the show. Uh, that first day is still, it, you know, it was kind of a blur. Uh, I was in, I was in New York and of course I didn't play, uh, that my official first day in the big leagues, I didn't play. And, uh, it was, you know, looking back at it, the next trip we went to New York um, to play the Mets, it was like, I don't even remember this place. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, you know, being able to get that call and get that, you know, that chance to, you know, make it to the big leagues, something you always dream of as a kid, you know, and getting to play at the highest level that you've always worked for uh, was a dream come true. Uh, And then, of course, you know, thinking back to my first hit and, you know, of course, the first, my first home run, that walk-off home run, um, you know, it was, it was a special moment. Um, And, you know, you, you asked about, uh, you know, just approach and kind of, I guess, you know, anything different at the big league level. I mean, there, there definitely is, you know, guys are, are way better at the big league level than they are at the AAA level You know, that's why they're there. Um, So you have to, you know, go in and, and plan and, uh, do what you need to do to, you know, be the best player you can be. And, you know, pitchers are great. So it's like, instead of getting say three pitches to hit, you might get one pitch to hit a game. So definitely little things like that. Um, trying to, you know, focus on, you know, what does this guy do? What does this guy do? What's this guy going to, you know, get me out with? So there, there's definitely, you know, stuff you look at like that. Cause like I said, the guy at the big league level, his stuff's going to be way better than the guy at the AAA level or below. So, um, you know, just looking at scout reports and and you know, trying to get better. You know, every day. You know, even today, you know, I'm 29 and I've been in the professional baseball for, I guess, let's see, since 2013. So eight nine years now and. You know, you still learn stuff every day, so um, you know, just keep trucking at it. And the ultimate goal is to, you know, have a longer in the in the big leagues.
0: Yeah, and obviously, you mentioned we were talking about adjustments and such. You know, as a hitter, you obviously were playing that season around some great talent. You guys had Giancarlo Stanton, Christian Yelich, Marcelo Zuna. The the team was very very stacked. Did you ask any advice at all from some of those players? You know, when you were with that. 2017 team that year because of, you know, you had all those guys on that team that have been, you know, obviously they've had pretty successful careers even up to this point as well. Did you ask any advice in that first year with that club and with those group of players?
1: Uh, yeah. One, you know, some hitters are different. So like, you know, I didn't really go up to Stanton and ask him, you know, how he, yeah. how he looked at things. Cause you know, his number one thing was square the ball hit a home run. Um, I, I paid attention to uh, Yellich a lot and kind of followed him and and talked to him and you know watched what he did in the cage because I felt like we were similar kind of players. We would get pitched kind of the same, being a left-handed hitter, and uh, I would really watch and focus, you know, kind of on how pitchers pitched him and what they did to him and and you know what he did uh, to be on time and you know to be you know ready and be able to hit and. You know, he's one of the greatest hitters, you know, in the game right now. And uh, being able to be a part of, you know, that lineup, I look back and I got the lineup card, you know, at my house hanging on the wall and I look back and see some of the names on it. It's like, you know, you got back-to-back MVPs on that lineup card and, you know, 17 and 18. And you know, I think we were so close to being, you know, a really special team down there. Honestly, you know, we have, we have the lineup. We just need couple pitchers of course in 2016 what happened to you know fernandez that kind of just everything went downhill it seemed like almost from, from that point and uh um you know being a part of you know a lineup that has d gordon jt ramuto yelich uh stanton and you got you know i'm playing next to martin prado you know at third base the guy you grew up watching uh you got guys you know, and Ozuna was was there that year. He had one of the best young outfields in the game. And, you know, it was, it was a it was a fun team to be a part of that first year.
0: Yeah, and I can imagine that Jose Fernandez, when he passed away, unfortunately taken to us too soon because, I mean, I, I think Jose Fernandez could have been a, a Cy Young Award contender every year. He was – I mean, he looked so good early in his career. I, I imagine that must have been so hard on the entire – not even – in the major league team, but even throughout the organization, because I imagine for you, JT, you obviously played in the spring and you obviously, before you got to the major league level in 2017. So you probably were around, I mean, you probably saw Jose Fernandez. I'm not sure if you maybe got to talk to him at all in your career, but I imagine that must've been a really hard time, not only for that major league team, but also for the entire organization as a whole.
1: Uh, Yeah, I definitely was. Um, of course I I played with him through his rehab stuff uh when okay. he was com- coming back from that uh my first double A um game was he was actually rehabbing that night that was my first double A game um I mean he was a competitor uh you know I mean, you think about him at the big league level you know and I mean he was a 21 pitcher almost if you, if you think about it I mean especially the way he pitched at home um you know, in Miami, I a mean, 21 pitcher, I get you 20 wins a year for for the team. I mean, that's, that changes things a lot. You know, you, you look at some, say you got a, another arm in there that only can get you 8, 10 wins. I mean, that's, that's a 12-win swing. So it, it changes a lot when you talk about having aces like that on your staff. And, um, you know, I'll never forget, you know, usually when big league pitchers come into, you know, for rehab assignments and stuff. And, you know, a guy gets hit or something by a, a guy, usually they don't come in the dugout and say, I got you. I got you. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to get the next guy, you know, the guys in double-A throwing a rehab game and he's, he's over here hitting guys, you know? So it's like <laughs> the guy always had your back and was a, you know, a huge competitor and and, and loved the game. So, um, you know, ever since, you know, that happened in 16, I think it was kind of, you know, it, it took a toll on that group of guys that came up together with him and, and, kind of where that team went from that
0: point. Yeah, he was definitely a, a very special player, definitely, on and off. The personality it always showed, and it's just very unfortunate. But we'll, we'll kind of get into my next question. Obviously, we, we mentioned in 2017, you know, things would start to change. And in 2018 and 2019, there will be some drastic changes. Obviously, the big front office change would be with Jeter coming in as the new owner of the team. You were there for the 2018-2019 seasons with Jeter in his first two years could you tell the differences within the organization with the new regime coming in with the Jeter regime, if you will, and were the positional battles also more intense with some of the big names then getting moved like Stanton and like Yelich over the course of the 2018 and 2019 season, because at that point, then the lineup wouldn't be really in place. You lose a lot of those big name guys and you got to start getting into these battles.
1: Uh, Yeah, a lot changed. I mean, we got rid of the whole lineup pretty much, you know, when the new ownership came in, they, they sold everybody. Um, and it was a, you know, hundred percent rebuild from that point. Um, as a player that kind of played on the 17 team, it, it wasn't fun to see that um, mainly because, you know, you add a couple arms and that team's a playoff team in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, you know, when, new ownership comes in. Last thing they want to do is spend more money, um, you know, to, to put a playoff team on the field. So they went into rebuild mode and, um, you know, got rid of, you know, all the guys that kind of were, you know, the three and four years there that, and, you know, that that was tough kind of being a part of that. And then, you know, being on a team that was kind of really close. And then, all of a sudden now, <laughs> here we go. You know, we have no names at all. If you think about it, I mean, yep. you think back to who was the face of the team, you know, in 2018, you couldn't, you, you can't say anybody. Cause there wasn't that one guy that stood out. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, that was tough uh, being a part of that. Um, you know, I, of course, you know, myself, I was going through my shoulder injury, uh, the end of 17. Um, so I was trying to work back from that. I missed, I think from game to game, it was like a nine month, nine month injury. Um, you know, after I, you know, got up to the big leagues, I started playing every day in 17, uh, got into a rhythm, was having success. And then, you know, going through that, that was my first big injury that I've ever had. And, um, you know, mentally that was a a big toll and trying to come back from that was, was tough for sure. Um, and, you know, and finally got back through that and then, you know, got back to the, to the big leagues there in, in 18 and, you know, then was kind of a, a platoon spot for me uh, with me and Rojas in 18 at shortstop. And um, of course, then going into 19, it was, you know, I'm not going to be shortstop anymore you know, go back to AAA and then start playing center field. And then basically was in center field in 2019 trying to learn center field on the fly in the big leagues. You know, it's tough. It's, it's already hard enough to play in the big leagues every day. And then now you're learning a new position, um, you know, while you're in the big leagues, you know, it was, you know, mentally it was, it was, it was a tough ride. And um, those last couple of years, you know, it was, it was definitely tough, especially when, you know, you're not winning and it's always a, a grind when, you have 162 games looking at you and you don't know, you know, how many, you know, you're actually going to be able to win and you start getting to that halfway through kind of point and you're 20, 30 games below 500. It's not really fun going into the field every day.
0: No. Yeah. I can imagine. I mean, that, that just, I imagine that can definitely take a course on, they definitely take a toll on you as a player. Um, I mean, I, I, but I would imagine at least, there was, you know, one positive, I guess you could say came out of it is that you did get to play under Dom Mattingly, who's obviously a fantastic manager, has had a lot of success throughout the big leagues, especially with the Dodgers. And even last year, too, had a great success with the Marlins in 2020. You know, did you how much did you learn from Dom Mattingly as a manager and You know, did what were some of your favorite, like, interactions you would say with Mattingly when you were with the Marlins? Um, And then after that, well, I guess we'll kind of get into your time last season with the Pirates. But what was that kind of like playing under Dom Mattingly, you know, such a a guy who's had so much success in the major league level?
1: It was good. You know, it's it's always fun playing, you know, under a guy that has had his own success at the highest level and been really good, Um, you know, being able to learn from guys like that. Um, it's always nice, you know. You whether you go in the cage, and you know he's a lefty, so I know a lot, I remember a lot in two thousand seventeen. Um, you know, he'd come to the cage, and it's like, you know, this is my first year in the big leagues, and yeah. I'm listening to you know my manager automatically tell me you know things about hitting and, and stuff. So um, it was fun to learn from him, and um, you know, fun to to have him kind of be there and and teach. You know parts of the game I mean it's you learn so much and then you get to the big leagues and you learn so much more um because it's just you know little parts about the game and uh he was always good about that you know something happens on the field and he come in and you know he tells you you know hey this is what you need to do or you know what are you looking for this you know this is what you need to be looking for whether it was something defensively whether it was something at the plate you know whatever it was and something on the base you know running the bases whatever it was and um you know you can learn a lot from a guy that's been around and and had his own success at the big league level um so you know so that was always you know good to have him kind of there and be able to to teach you and a guy like that to be able to teach and learn from was was nice
0: yeah definitely he's been a he's Everywhere he's gone, he's always succeeded, whether it be in his playing career or even his managerial career. He's done a very good job. It was really cool last season to see him win the coach of the year last year. He definitely deserved it, even though he's never won one, which was crazy. I thought he would have won one at least with the Dodgers, but it was good to see him win that last year for uh, him and the Marlins because of how much they had to go through last year. But In 2020, obviously, last season, you would actually end up leaving the Marlins organization after spending six years with the club. You would end up playing with the Pittsburgh Pirates last year, the first team that you played outside of the Marlins organization. You know, from a major leaguers perspective last year, you know, what was your time like off? in between the cancellation of the spring to the opening of the regular season, I can imagine that must've been nuts for you because obviously nobody expected us to, we were going to have to have so much time off with the baseball season. And then as a player, you know, did anything last season in the major league level, you know, did that affect you guys at all with, you know, playing in front of no fans, you know, the COVID-19, all the rules that you guys had to follow for players last season. And then even too, like, once you got later into the year, you guys, you know, the record didn't show. At least you guys were playing very well. Um, you guys weren't playing very well towards the end of the year. You know, did that affect you guys at all as a team as well, just based off the record last season too? Uh,
1: it was a tough year uh, for sure, you know, and for me being able to, you know, get out of Miami and and start fresh kind of somewhere else. Uh, I was really looking forward to it. Um I signed with Pittsburgh. Um, I thought it was a great spot for me, a great opportunity, um, you know, to kind of bounce back and, you know, and play. Uh, There was a lot of openings um, going into spring training, especially on, you know, on the infield. Um, Even in the outfield, there was a couple spots. um, So me going in kind of as that super utility guy, being able to maybe turn into, you know, a a super utility guy that kind of played every day um, going into that role. And uh, spring training was going great. And then all of a sudden COVID happens. Um, and then there's no baseball for a while, uh, until July. And that was tough to go through that and having that downtime and then finally coming back and then going through a second spring training during the summer, uh, was not, (laughs) I don't, it was, it was definitely weird. It was a, it was a weird year. Um, I got i strained my um abdomen like a week before the season finally started and I was like of course you know this now now i'm hurt <laughs> now i missed the first week of the season so i got a little you know setback from that um and then of course trying to play baseball on a daily basis with everything we had to go through from protocols to couldn't do this couldn't do that couldn't you know after a game or you know you go into a city or you're at your home city on a Sunday and you can't go out to dinner do certain things to get away from the field for a little bit the mental reset that you need as a baseball player you couldn't do that and that was tough not having fans not having you know you know you have a bat at bat you go out and you make a nice play on the infield you don't have fans cheering for you um you know it, it was it was a grind for sure and it was the longest 60 game season I played. It felt like a, it felt like a full season. Um, It just dragged on and dragged on. And um, especially, you know, not winning didn't help, (laughs) but, uh, but, you know, the Pirates organization, it was a great organization. Um, They're doing new things there. And, you know, I think it's, it's going in the right direction up there. Uh, Derek Shelton was great. Um, You know, Don Kelly was the bench coach who I had, played with and, and rehabbed with when he was hurt in Miami and hmm. was with Miami back in, in 14 and 15. And, um, you know, so playing with guys like that, it was, you know, with, or with coaches, uh, I didn't play with him. He was my coach now. So, um, you know, it, it's a good organization there. I uh, had a great time. It was a great group of guys. Um, you know, I think they're, it's only going to go up. Up for them, you know, in the years to come.
0: Yeah, I, I was really like last season, w- at least with like, you know, Derek. I was really excited when they hired Derek Shell, and luckily I got, I was fortunate enough to get to interview him actually earlier in the year, actually at the beginning of the year, like like New Year's Day. I got to have him on the show, and it was really neat. And I like the direction where that organization is going, and I do hope for the best for Derek Shell, and I think he's a great person, and uh, hope that he does great things because obviously, I got, I. I me being from Tampa I've got to see him you know go through the Rays organization and do good things there and then obviously with the twins who are you are currently now with and we'll get into that question before we finish out and I'll answer I'll ask you some like quick questions if you will some rapid fire um so I was really happy to see him get that opportunity so I hope he does great things with that organization and with that team so we'll now go into my last question before we get into my some of my rapid fire questions here um and they'll be kind of more lighthearted, if you will. you know, we you obviously you're with the Twins organization where you have spent time with the AAA St. Paul Saints, and then you've also played a few games with the Minnesota Twins. You know, obviously you've had an opportunity to play in St. Paul and also get brought up as well to the major league level. So how much easier has that been to not have to travel as much, you know, in a major league recall, if you will, from the AAA level to the major league level? And then how nice has it been to now play in front of fans again, whether it be in the major league level or even in the minor league level, I imagine for you, it must be a really cool thing.
1: Yeah, it's very convenient um, when it, when you get called up and you're in St. Paul, you're 15, 10, 15 minutes away from, uh, you know, the, the ballpark. Yeah. It's, you don't have to worry about hopping on a plane and, and traveling and three, four hours, five hours away. Uh, you don't have to worry about packing up your bags and, and moving from this place to that place. So, uh, mentally it's, it's very nice, um, having the city so close to each other. Um, we just hop in the car and, you know, you can get called up that day and you can be, I mean, it's, it hasn't happened yet, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if we have a – there's a 1 o'clock game in St. Paul and then there's a 7 o'clock game in Minnesota and the guy plays in both of them. Um, I, and I, I don't know if it will happen, you know, this year, next year or not, but it, it's bound to happen at some point. Um, so, uh, so, so that's kind of – you know, that's cool. Um, and, of course, you know, just – organization you know the the twins is 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 great uh you know spent a little time there of course spring training and everything and then up for a little bit um you know it's it's a good organization and um just a tough year you know so far for us uh with the twins and uh you know it's never fun being you know in triple a those make goals of being in the big leagues but being in triple a and and being able to play every day and and we got a good group of guys here and stuff. And um, so, you know, it's been fun to play. And then you think about where we were last year. And then now that we have fans, you know, the saints are selling out, you know, we have 7,000 fans, you know, at saints games. Um, it's it sold out from Thursday to Sunday and it's, it's pretty fun to play in front of a, a pack stadium. Um, it's kind of a bit of a circus here. You know, they, I think, they think it's still an indie ball team. Um, so, <laughs> um, you know, they do some stuff that, kind of makes you think what are you doing <laughs> sometimes but uh but overall you know it's it's fun to just be in front of a, a good group of fans uh I played in New Orleans in AAA with them with the Marlins and you get 100 fans on a Friday night so um being able to you know at the AAA stadium with seven eight thousand fans on a consistent basis it's it's pretty nice to have that
0: yeah, I was about to say, I forgot that the, when they you were playing at the Miami Marlins, you were on the New Orleans Baby Cakes in the AAA level, so I, mm-hmm. no, I guess they're in Jacksonville. I don't know how they are with uh, fans over there in Jacksonville. I imagine Jacksonville is a good spot. I would say, I imagine it's got to be a little bit better, especially to being in the state as well. So, but uh, yeah, I, I've, I've heard good things at least with St. Paul. And obviously you mentioned with the group of guys you have right now, I know I got to interview, got a chance to interview Toby garden a few months ago. He was very, very good manager. Obviously his dad, Ron garden very storied career he has had at the manager managerial level. And then I do have a buddy who plays for the team, uh, Drew Stankiewicz who is just recently signed with the, club obviously so I know you guys have a good group of guys and hopefully you guys have a great rest of your season this year with the St. Paul Saints and obviously with the Minnesota Twins so we'll now go into some of my rapid fire questions just kind of you know kind of quick questions here but uh these are going to be kind of lighthearted if you will but we'll kind of go into my first question so obviously for you as a player I imagine every player you know one of their cool things outside of you know kind of playing in the show obviously is you know players you know would want to be maybe on a baseball card or even in a video game such as like mlb the show or whatever um which one was cooler for you as a player being in the mlb the show video game or being on a tops baseball card
1: uh i think being in the video game
0: okay
1: was definitely cooler
0: okay i i, I don't mind that i played i played a few video games actually with you before so it's kind of funny uh, the, my second question is you know obviously you played in so many ballparks already throughout your career what has been the hardest stadium you have hit, hit in and then what has been the best stadium you have hit in for a hitter
1: uh the, the hardest stadium was definitely arland park okay that's by far that's i mean toughest place to hit <laughs> um let's see uh best stadium to hit at uh Probably Milwaukee. I've played more games in Milwaukee. Um, I'd say Milwaukee is always nice. I got a huge, nice hitter's eye and the ball flies there. So I've always enjoyed hitting there.
0: Milwaukee always reminds me for some reason. It reminds me a little bit of Chase Field with that hitter's eye that they have out in center field. I don't know why, but it just looks very similar, but I I really do like Milwaukee. I've seen a lot of big home runs hit in there. And um, Mm -hmm. we'll go into my third question now, obviously during pregame, you know, You're getting into the vibe a little bit. What's your go-to song or slash songs, if you will, if you have multiple that you listen to pregame to get you kind of in the groove a little bit, getting ready for the game. Uh, Yeah. I mean,
1: kind of mix it up depending on how, how it's going for me. Uh, But usually I'm around that kind of like country outlaw country kind of vibe Texas country, like, you know, Stapleton, whiskey Myers, Cody Jinx, uh Turnpike Troop Doors, um, Eric Church, uh, that kind of, you know, country um, is usually what I listen to um, to get me going, so.
0: I've been getting into Cody Jinx, I'll tell you. I, I really like his music, actually. For recently, I've been getting into him a lot, actually, um, so I, I've been really enjoying some of the stuff that he's been putting out, but, JT, I appreciate you jumping on the show today, man. Thanks for doing this with me. Obviously, you're a busy guy. You got the season going on right now with the AAA Saints. Good luck for the rest of the season. Hopefully, all goes well for you this year. And uh, stay safe, my friend. Hopefully, everything goes well for you.
1: All right. Thank you. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, you're welcome. And guys, peace out, guys. We'll see you in our next podcast. And we'll see you guys later. Peace.